and welcome to the very first episode of the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast of 2023. My name is Bex and I am very happy you are here. Now, we've got a slightly slimmer than usual episode today, but no less important because as well as having our recommendations of some brilliant new books to kickstart the year with and... I'll be revealing my book of the month. We're also chatting to author Abby Elphinstone about her brand new book, Saving Neverland. So let's get straight over to it, shall we? Here we go. All right, I am joined right now after it feels like many years. Um, Abby <laughs> Elphinstone, how are you doing? I'm really good. Thanks, Bex. Now, like I say, it's been a little while since we've spoken. I think maybe it was a World Book Day situation we spoke about a little while ago. Um, yes, ever dark, I think, maybe. Yeah, I think it was, which feels like about a thousand years ago now. Um, And then on my doorstep, I got sent a little parcel recently and it was your brand new book. And I was genuinely so excited because I was like, yay, Abby (laughs) Alphinstone. She's finally got another book out. She stopped having babies and she started writing again. (laughs) It was was more just like, they remember me. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it's been a lot of fun writing this book. So this new book is Saving Neverland. And uh, well, it's a kind of reimagining of Peter Pan in a way, which is quite a big task. Are we a little bit daunted by that? I was so daunted. When people say, what was it like adapting the classic Peter Pan? I say it's a bit like moving house, mostly exciting, <laughs> but also sort of fused with panic and intimidation. <laughs> um, so that was really exciting. And it was a real honour because there's so much to love about the original Peter Pan. You know, the boy that never grows up, this world, Neverland, um, which only children can access and they can go on endless adventures. Um, but there's also quite a lot that's problematic or a bit tricky about the original, which I only realised when I grew up and reread it. Um, But I wanted to write a modern Peter Pan um, because at the end of the original, it's I think it's Peter Pan says to Wendy Darling, she was the one that went to Neverland with him. Mm -hmm. He says to her and her daughter, you can come back to Neverland to do the spring cleaning. I thought, what? <laughs> what kind of a message is that to young girls that, you know, you can go to the adventure, but not take part in it. You've got to do the housework. So I wanted to write um, a really modern um, Peter Pan, which would say that girls can go over to Neverland to slay pirates and um, join the adventure, save the day rather than just yeah hopping across to polish the floor. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny because I, so I never read uh, Peter Pan as a kid. I just know it from the many, many films. So yes. I, I have that kind of vague knowledge of it, but not the workings of it. So, so as a kid, you, you'd read the books and also did you, did you feel a little bit daunted by kind of reimagining Peter Pan himself? Like you're writing somebody else's mm. character. Is that weird? Totally, really weird. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd read it as a kid and I'd seen it at the theatre and I'd seen the movies. Um, more recently, I've been out to the Shard to have afternoon tea, which is themed in Peter Ooh. Pan. So the cakes arrive in a smoking pirate ship. Um, and I think you can, I mean, Peter Pan, the merchandise game is huge. You can have like Peter Pan crockery. You can have Captain Hook knickers, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I knew it, it did feel daunting thinking, God, I've got to take on this this boy who never grows up that everybody's heard about. Um but I think because there was room for improving it in some ways, like making it more modern and inclusive and kind, the way that the Native Americans are portrayed in the original book isn't mm-hmm. aligned with modern values. So I wanted to write a really inclusive, heartfelt, kind story. Um, and I think I tried to change Peter Pan at the beginning. I thought maybe he does grow up, you know, like the film Hook. Um, mm. Maybe he does grow up. But then I think part of Peter's charm and his power is the fact that he will refuse to grow up whatever you do. So I kept Peter Pan young and I made him not learn from his mistakes and he keeps forgetting 
his friends and things. And that's the way he doesn't learn. He just can't move on from his mistakes. Um, but I did change Neverland in a big way because the original Neverland by J.M. Barry is a tropical island. And I wanted to do a snowy kingdom. I'd written a book called Sky Song. And mm -hmm. it was um, inspired by my travels up in the Arctic, dog sledding across the Arctic and watching the northern lights and seeing killer whales dive for a tiny fish called herring. And I thought, what if I reimagined this tropical island that everyone knows as Neverland? And what if I made it my own? So that was where the, the invention came in, where I would thought, you know, what if the, the never sea around the island is made up of mother and father's tears that they shed when children leave home? <laughs> um, and then... The actual island itself, Neverland, became a sort of huge kingdom of ice flumes and frozen staircases. There's a staircase called the Silver Staircase, which is a frozen staircase leading up into the Nevercliffs. Um, so I really wanted to change all that um, and reinvent the original tropical Neverland and fill it with creatures that nobody had seen before. So I've got gulper whales. They're enormous whales studded with stardust and they let you swim in their open mouths if you whistle from the shore for one <laughs> and there are marsh swamp uh, marsh chomps which are magical hippos and they basically are vegetarians on every single day of the week apart from Wednesdays and then they eat everything in sight so don't go swimming in Dragontail River in Neverland, Neverland on a Wednesday <laughs> I like the idea that people have to have a calendar just to make sure. Just to yeah, exactly. Just, just not okay. Uh, now it is a beautiful book, and and like you say, I guess you kind of treat the Neverland itself as an extra character. Like that must yeah. be really exciting. Because totally. Never for me, setting is as important as character. Um, and for me, my settings they have to feel alive. Um, I'm dyslexic, so my writing and ideas are often a bit of a mess when I sit down to write a story. So the first thing I do is I draw my world and I draw myself into my story. So I. I drew Neverland and I imagined the snowy cliffs and the frozen waterfalls and the iced over lagoons. And then I got a different colored pen and I drew a journey through Neverland and that became my plot. So yeah, Neverland feels alive. There are, there's a naggle tree, um, a tree that grows strands of common sense. <laughs> and <laughs> there are lagoons where there are mermaids in there. And that was actually from the original, but my lagoon's frozen over. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I think it feels or I hope it feels very much like this Neverland is as much a character as Martha Pennydrop, the new heroine or Scruff, her little brother or Peter Pan himself. I mean, I was just going to come on to Martha because when you mentioned before about, you know, girls being able to not just be there for the spring cleaning, uh, you know, Martha is pretty feisty and it must be quite cool to write a character like her as well. Definitely. Do you know, I, re I wrote the whole book for Puffin, the publishers, with the main character as a boy because I thought it would be interesting to have Peter Pan go on an adventure alongside another boy and you could have different versions of what it means to be a boy. And then the Puffin were like, we love the book. We just think that you should change the, he the hero for a heroine. It's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I then rewrote the entire book with Martha as the, um, the heroine. And I'm so glad I did. It's much better for it, I think, because um, she starts the book desperately wanting to grow up. Mm -hmm. um, she's very grumpy with her younger brother who's bouncing on the bed. The book opens at bedtime um, in their new house in London. And all Martha wants to do is just grow up, get a job and be serious. Because when she wasn't being serious, when she was a bit younger and fooling around with a younger brother and believing in magic and that kind of thing, something awful really, really nearly happened to her younger brother Scruff. And she is terrified that that'll happen again. So she vows to grow up at all costs. And then she finds herself stumbling into Neverland 
with her brother and her brother gets kidnapped. And then she realizes actually all the things that she's trying to put behind her, like make believe, um, magic, imagination, fun, are actually some of the most important things for living. Um, so yeah, Martha learns a lot. She starts off quite serious and then she learns to laugh at herself and others and and life really. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a lovely relationship uh, her and her brother have because she does care. You know, she wants to look out for him because um, obviously their mum's not around anymore and they've just moved mm. to London and it's all a bit stressful and scary and they've had this terrible day. Um, but it's it must have been so nice to write about the relationship that uh, Martha and Scruff have as well. Yeah, I love relationships in books where you have like an older sibling looking after a younger one. And maybe at the beginning, the older one thinks they know best. And then as the adventure progresses, you realise eight-year-olds no loads. <laughs> um, and I think I wanted to show readers that even though Scruff is small and a bit chaotic and he gets kidnapped, that he's got amazing skills and resources. Um, he makes friends with one of the wildest beasts in Neverland, one that even Peter Pan says, this animal cannot ever be tamed. And yet for some reason, Scruff manages to make friends with it. And so Scruff is not just a sidekick, you know, going along on the adventure. He's a little boy who has enormous talent and strength of character. And Martha learns a lot from him. Um, so yeah, the, the book is mu as much about Martha as it is about Little Scruff. Um, and then the two of them going on this adventure together with, rather than the lost boys, I've got the lost kids. Because one yeah. of my lost kids is a little girl called Pickle, who's actually a toddler <laughs> in a nappy um, on Neverland in the freezing cold which is probably a health and safety risk, but makes for a great adventure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, this is the thing you've got. Um, I mean, this book is kind of pretty exciting because not only do you have, obviously, the original J.M. Barry, which everybody knows about, but also you're bringing a whole new you know, point of view and culture and world to an established kind of place, to Neverland. And yeah, I think changing the Lost Boys was a perfect example of that. Yeah, it's little tweaks. Like I didn't want to go in and uproot everything so that readers who had loved Peter Pan would not recognize what they were reading now. I wanted it to feel like a Peter Pan adventure, but I wanted the tweaks to be tweaks that I think were really important, like the lost boys becoming lost kids. Um, and not all in the, the lost boys in the original, all they want to do is just kill pirates. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas my lost kids, there's one called Wombat and he's a fantastic cook. And, um, he vows that even if Peter, um, sorry, Captain Hook kills him, he will die never giving up the recipe for his lemon drizzle cake. Um, so there are lots of different versions of what it means to be a boy or a girl um, in these lost kids. Um, but also Tinkerbell, um, who's a resourceful, wonderful fairy, but she's also super jealous of Wendy in the original. Mm. Um, and she's quite one dimensional. She's quite just like a pretty fairy who gets jealous. And I wanted to shake that up a bit as well. So my fairy is called Muddle. And she's fiercely intelligent. She spends a lot of time writing very intense poems about Neverland, Neverland and Peter himself. Um, but she, I think in my head, she's slightly dyslexic because she's got no sense of direction. So she's obviously flying off in the, <laughs> the wrong direction and Peter has to rein her back in. Um, but he admits he'd be nowhere without Muddle. She is at the crux of the adventure. She's super important. And right at the end, when it's up to Martha to do something extraordinary to save Neverland and to find her brother, it's Muddle who helps her do this thing. So yeah, I wanted the fairy to have agency um, and a will of her own and not just to be a stereotypical kind of jealous female. Oh, it's so good what you've done with it. Honestly, it's really magical, this book. And um, I don't want to ruin too much, but I did shed a tear at the end. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I did as well. I tried to make the end. As I say, I tried to make Peter grow up and to learn. And then I thought, 
no, he belongs in Neverland. And he's, you yeah. know, it's, it got to take him back. Um, oh, gosh. I know. But it was fun. It's... And it actually was really fun. I didn't mention Armageddon, who is a woolly mammoth. Um, <laughs> I love naming my characters. So Armageddon, I felt, was like a, a, an appropriate name for an absolutely massive woolly mammoth. Um, but I love um, characters riding on the back of extraordinary creatures to get around <laughs> on their adventures. So I've had, you know, the Sky Song, um, they ride in a, a huge, it's called Woodbird. It's a um, an instrument that they make, basically, a vehicle that they make and they fly through the sky in it. Um, and I love Northern Lights by Philip Pullman, where Lyra rides on a polar bear. And so in Saving Neverland, the kids ride on the back of a woolly mammoth called Armageddon. I mean, what more do you need? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. And tell me, just, just before I let you go, um, if we've got uh, people listening right now, is there like an Easter egg from the original Peter Pan story that you might not pick up on first time through the read, but we'll, um, if you could tell us a little bit about something to look out for that we can look Ooh. out for when we read it? Do you know, some of the language used in the original book is so beautiful and quirky. The sentences are so amazing. And the ideas, like the fact that J.M. Barry, the guy who wrote the original Peter Pan, he said that fairies are here because they come from the first baby's laugh. And that laugh then broke into a thousand pieces. And that was the beginning of fairies. Um, And some of those ideas that he has are just so unhinged and extraordinary and strange, um, but also really powerful. So there are a few instances where I've used that idea, but then changed the fairy itself, Muggle. Um, Tinkerbell does feature, so you have to look out for her at the end. Um, (laughs) But at the beginning, all the magical creatures in Neverland are disappearing because the magic is fading and the island itself is in the wraps of an icy curse by Captain Hook. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of language that you will recognise. Um, at the beginning of the original Peter Pan, um, J.M. Barry says, two is the beginning of the end. It's when you realise you've got to grow up and how terrible that is. And I say in my book that 10 is the beginning of the end because it means that your, your age is in double digits. You've got to go from primary school to secondary school and you've got to eat all the nasty vegetables on your plate without complaining (laughs) so there are little nods to the original that you might pick up on and certainly characters as well like Tinkerbell who you will find but just at the end amazing oh Abby thank you so much for telling us all about your book everybody can go and buy it in bookshops and it is going to be a pretty epic adventure for the new year so thank you so much thank you so much Bex Oh, lovely Abby. It was great to have her back at Fun Kids and I can't wait for you to read her book. Saving Neverland is awesome. Now, there are some brilliant books coming out this month I thought I'd let you know about. You've got Blanksy the Street Cat from Gavin Puckett. Now, this is a book all about Blanksy who discovers a talent for painting murals. He uses it to draw bigger and bigger crowds to help his friend Pete the Busker become rich. But will money really make Pete happy? It's a really cool story. The illustrations are obviously amazing. Definitely go and check it out. And finally, for my recommendation this month, we have one of my favourite authors, Elle McNichol. She is back with a brand new book. It's called Like a Curse, and it's the sequel to last year's book, Like a Charm. I can't wait for this book, genuinely. Like a Charm, to me, was one of my favourite books of last year. I read it so quickly. It's all about Ramya, who lives in Edinburgh, and she found out in the last book that she's a little bit magical. And this time round, well, she needs to find out how to make her magical powers as strong and as efficient as possible with the help of her Aunt Opal. This book, I can tell you right now, is going to be my book of the month for January. So make sure you're listening to our next episode where you can hear me chat to Elle McNichol all about it. Remember, if you've enjoyed this, tell everybody about the podcast, like, comment, follow us, subscribe wherever it is you're listening, and I'll see you very soon. Bye!